Kanye Gardner. I am the host, and I want to again welcome everyone to the One Big Village. This week's episode is a pretty good one. I think um, we're going to be talking about the underdog mentality, and our special guest this week is no other than Kenneth Hampton III. Kenneth Hampton III is a native Detroiter and a Kentucky State University two-sport student athlete and graduate who had dreams of playing in the NFL. Um, Unfortunately, his dreams were cut short and he turned his life into entrepreneurship and motivational speaking, which are two key pillars or key areas of the One Big Village. Um, His new book titled The Underdog Mentality talks about his servant leadership approach to life and how it has touched lives, many lives of others um, throughout the community. Again, this in this podcast, we're going to discuss the transition of being a two-sport athlete and the adversity of being a pro athlete, his life's journey, being a son and grandson to ministers, and what it truly means to have an underdog mentality. So, before we get started with Kenny, um, just want to let everyone know that we got some pretty good reviews on the first episode. Again, we, we talked about John Wooden. Um, I have the second episode um, ready to go. Um, we're just going to, we're getting through this to say, um, new venture for us and as we grow the village um we'll learn we'll you know we'll learn we'll share and we'll grow and that's what we'll do so um i just want to again thank those who was able to listen to the first episode and um we're going to be getting ready to connect with kenny in just a few minutes Is Kenneth Hampton the third? What's going on, Cuz? Man, everything. Honestly, man, I can't. I can't call it. I'm just trying to make sure I keep smiles on faces. How about yourself? <laughs> that's that's what it is, man. You know, positive mentality is one of the things that you can have to have, especially dealing with what we're dealing with this time, this day and time. What do you? Um, just a quick question, man. What do you think about? Um. The possible new vice president candidate, Kamala Harris. Well, um, I believe it's a uh, it's a step in the right direction. Um, it, it, it gives us what I feel it has been. Um, I think at the forefront of everything that's happened in 2020, and it comes down to one word, and that's hope. Um, but with hope, uh, we have to make sure that we take a hold of that. Like there's some things that we need to do while we are hoping or while we're hopeful. So yes, it's a, it's a great um, opportunity for us. 
as a people, as a nation, but I do believe that we have to do everything we can to see this thing through. Like we have not done the job just yet. This is just a part of the process. And I hope and I pray that we can take heed to, to what it's going to require, which is us getting out to the polls and making sure that by any means necessary, we make our voices heard. Yeah, that's a great point. You know, getting out to vote is so important. People don't realize the importance of voting. And I always was taught that um, there were many that died before us for having the right to vote. So, um, all our friends and family, especially those in the black community, if it's raining, sleeting, or snowing, especially in the Michigan area, do realize that last year Wayne County was the county that tipped the polls, um, and that's how Michigan was lost last year because of Wayne County. So, you know, for those wow. who in the D, um, we're gonna have to get out and vote. So, so let's yeah, go it's ahead. Time for us to roll up our sleeves, man. Yep. On the road, good sleeves. And again, like I've been to Columbus once before. It's, you know, it's a diverse community down there as well. So um, let's, let's, let's just talk about being from Detroit, man. You know, you, your family, um, you're son of a son and grandson of a preacher and police officer. Yeah. What is that experience like? What was that like growing up? <laughs> Yeah, man. Um, even though I haven't lived in the city of Detroit um, since 2001, when I left to go to off to college to Kentucky State, um, I'm always repping Detroit because that's where I'm from. That's uh, where my family lives, and um, it's it's who I am. It's it's what made me who I am today. Uh, experiencing the uh, the city of Detroit, and and to your point, growing up, the grandson of a pastor and the son of a pastor that who are both in law enforcement. There's only one word that I can point to is, uh, obedience. Obedience. I mean, I, yeah, I had no choice, man. Like I really had no choice because either you was going to catch it from just, uh, hearing of the stories of what's going on in the streets and, and using those examples of, okay, you can be out here. If you make these choices, these bad decisions, this could be your result, which is, which were things that I obviously didn't want for my life. But then on top of that, I had the consistent, um, dose, weekly dose of, um, church and Bible study and junior church and choir and all this stuff. But I would, I will say, man, it, it, it's, um, it put my life on a solid foundation. So my, my, my upbringing, um, was, was literally something that at the time I didn't really understand it, but I literally was building, uh, my, my, my life upon, um, a foundation of obedience, a foundation of, um, discipline, leadership, because being the oldest of four, I, I wanted my brothers and my youngest sister to look, I didn't want them to look outside the house for an example of what to do in life. I wanted to be that example. So uh, seeing my father try to do his best and whatever he did and try to and see my grandfather do the same, it only just, it kind of just like made sense for me to try to fall in line with that in my own way. And so if you're looking for an opportunity to mentor and you have siblings, that's a great place for you to start. You can honestly start right in your home and by lead, leading by example, you can have an impact on those siblings that could really shape and mold their lives to be something pretty special by you being mindful of others that's watching you, man. So, yeah. You know, yeah, that's... It was rough, but it was all good. Man, you know, you brought up a great point about mentorship. So, um, I have... I'm really big about mentorship. And then just recently I heard this great quote by David Goggins. And basically it talks about um, the quote was "There's great value in mentorship, but there are too many that are not living the lives of a mentor and not being real with themselves. So wow. with that being said, I think that you are living the life of a true mentor. You live in a life of a true big brother, um, you know, son, 
son of God. And I think that you're doing everything that, you know, when it comes to mentorship and being a big brother, I think that you are, you're doing, you're doing the things that you're supposed to be doing, you know? And I appreciate that. That's um, something that it's, it's, I don't take it lightly. Um, I, I look, I look at my life and I, I've, I've literally, it's, it's funny because one of the chapters in my new book, The Underdog Mentality, Key to Defeating Life's Giants, it's actually titled Embrace Servant Leadership. And that's what I, I really do that. I, I love to be uh, as selfless as possible so that those around me can experience things because of my lack of selfishness and my commitment to obedience. So, you know, I have big dreams that, and, and goals and things that I want to accomplish in life. But, but at the core of all that is to sow into the lives of others. I, I really do want to one day uh, position myself to be a full-time philanthropist where I can not only mentor and be a, a uh, you know, a big brother type role to a lot of other people, but to actually sow a financial seed into their lives to let them know that because of my commitment to obedience and because of what God has done in my life, I'm able to do this in yours. So I, cause I might be the only piece of church or piece of God that somebody sees in, in their life. But if they see it from that perspective, I highly doubt that they'll kind of question oh, wow, you know, does this church thing really work or does this uh, lifestyle really work? No, it really does work. And I want people to understand that you you really can do some amazing things and incredible things in life if you uh, submit to the calling that's been placed on your life. So that's just me, man. When you yeah. see what I do in life, man, going on 13 plus years of marriage or 12 plus years of marriage and uh, raising a family of four, um, I, I get it all to... I credit all of that to just obedience and, and, and God's favor, man. So I'm just going to continue to do what I can, man, to uh, so into the lives of others. So when you when you talk about you know obedience and and discipline, really, you know, let's just talk about that's one of the components of being a good athlete. And I think that you know for every good athlete, you have to be obedient. You got to be able to listen, and follow instructions. You got to be disciplined in your life. Um, you got to have a, a part of some type of faith or strong foundational um, to keep you grounded and say, so again, like going back to high school. So, you know, going to CMA at the time you went to school, did they have a football team or they didn't have, they just, nah. so what, so nah. what sports did you play? What sports did you play in high school? So high school and middle school, I played with baseball and basketball because that's all that was offered. Now, in the street, I was that guy. Like, I literally could play the sport of football at a high level. But because my parents was um, wanting to protect me from injury, they didn't allow me to play the sport. So, and so when did you get to the height of 6'4"? So let's just explain so that. Because you you have to be – I always thought that I was the tallest until I see you. And then I'm <laughs> like – but then I see your mom, and I'm like, okay, yeah, you your mom is tall because – you know, your your father, right. uncle, grandfather. You know, I. You know, we're all. I'm all taller than them. So it's you're you know, right. It's, it's like so. Like, when did you get to be six four? And how did a six four like end up person end up playing baseball? That's like a. That's, yeah, well, I, I wasn't always six four. That's the thing. I I didn't hit. I didn't hit my growth spurt until my uh, going into my senior year of high school. Okay. So the summer of uh, two thousand. I went from five, like five, six, five, seven, to literally six, two and a half, almost six, three. Wow. So, yeah, and a lot, a lot changed for me. I, I went from playing the point guard position or being a guard to now I'm the center because I'm one of the tallest on the team, if not the tallest. Right. So I had to learn how to play with my back to the, you know, to the rim. And I had to adjust with baseball where, you know, my, my, uh, my length was, was, was crazy. So I had the to house? get, you know, better command of my, uh, strike zone. And just, there was just a lot of different things that I, I went through with that growth spurt. And so that's how I went from 
CMA to Kentucky State because as a six four left handed pitcher, I mean you that that's everybody's wish is to have somebody with that size and to be able to throw the ball uh, at a at a high level um, from the mound. However, man, I struggled mightily my freshman season as a pitcher because I hadn't gotten I had not gotten comfortable um with with my body i i really was struggling it's called adolescent growth spurt yeah and um i um it's ads is what it's the technical term for it is but i ain't gonna lie man i struggle it, it killed me mentally because i went from being this like you know all district all city pitcher to going on to this, getting this scholarship to play baseball to like can't I couldn't even throw a bat in practice. My my command was so bad to the point where like they they tried to give me chances after chance, and we didn't really have. Kentucky State was a D two school, and they didn't have like the you don't have the bench, yeah, the bench. Nah, you know, they bring you in as a one know. position. That's really what you were going to play. So did you play yeah. any other positions at baseball? Well, I I have a choice. I, yeah, so like I was a I was a, a great first baseman. And I could play the outfield. I was I was pretty good at, at center field. So I struggled my first two seasons trying to pitch, and what ended up happening is I uh, I ended up just transitioning to first base, okay. um, and then right. I did that hard. I did that like fifty percent of the time, and the rest was uh in, in right. And your left now, hand, had, and you're left-handed too, so that actually works right. out. You playing first base, exactly. So I did my thing there, but it was um it was a challenge, and I never quite got myself into our rotation back into our starting rotation uh, through my senior, I mean, through uh, baseball. But, I mean, as far as a pitcher, but I did end up getting two gold gloves as a center fielder at K-State. So, like, pretty cool. it was crazy, man, because my um, my wingspan was so long. I you can cover, you can cover a lot of area very quickly. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. So how, did you get into, so how did you get into the football so football happened after I had a professional workout with the um, a tryout with the San Diego Padres, and I was one of I want to say like one of like maybe two hundred and thirty athletes that was at a, a workout at Western Kentucky, and my mom and my dad was there because um, they were in town, so they went to the workout with me, and I actually made it to the last, like to the final three that they actually handpicked and said, we want you three to stay behind and we want to do an additional workout. You're going to take some BP. And I was killing it. I, I, I had the best workout I had ever had at any level of my career. So I'm thinking, you know what? I might have a legitimate chance of being drafted. After it was over, they talked to me. They said, we liked what we saw. Uh, they talked to my mom and dad and said, look, uh, if everything goes well, we'll, um, We'll, we'll definitely be uh, picking your son up. So I'm thinking, here we go. We about to we we, we going to the league to the minors. Right, man. Um, never heard anything back from them. Oh, they ghost you. Yes, and come to find out, I here's the crazy thing. I injured my right shoulder in my seventh game of the season and in baseball that that senior year, and I did not know that. I was one game over the amount of games that you can play to get that medical red shirt. Nah, I've been there before. Because, yeah. So, like, I was, I had an opportunity to do it, but it, it had come and it, it expired, right? So, I ended up needing shoulder surgery. So, I, had, I was in a dilemma. Do I get this surgery and miss the rest of the season, or do I just wait and just wing it and then go ahead and just get the surgery after the season? Well, Come to find out, they ended up finding out about that potential surgery that I was going to have, and that impacted me being able to actually go through that process. So it was it was a you know an unforeseen situation. I, I wasn't expecting that to happen the way it happened. So I went on and got the surgery done. And after I was done with the surgery, I said, "Forget it. I'm gonna go ahead and um and play ba- and play football." So during that, during my spring season, my last season of, of baseball, I actually was going to the 6 a.m. workouts with the football team just to, like, test the waters and see if this is something that I wanted to do. Wasn't even sure if I was going to go ahead and go through with it, but just to see if that was something that was possible. And, bro, I ended up 
um, deciding since I'm not playing baseball no more, I'm going to get this surgery. I'm going to work myself out when I get done. The day after I got my surgery done in, in Columbus, Ohio, I drove back to uh, Kentucky and, and reported to training camp. Then, I couldn't obviously play, but I was on the sideline watching every practice. I'm at every meeting. I set out the first seven weeks rehabbing my arm. So while the team was practicing, I was on the other field running sprints, running uh, drills with an arm in a sling, just trying to make sure I stayed in shape. I got cleared week seven or week eight. I ended of, up on the, the scout of the, team. Of the football team. Of the football team. Of season. the football team, yeah. Okay, all right. And, so and, what year and, are you and, in school? This is what? So year? this is 2000 and So what, like, five. are you a junior, senior year? I'm a senior. This is my senior year. I'm so done with baseball. I so did four years. Okay, so you were you're done, and then you had an additional eligibility, so then you could be able to. Yeah. You so you get six. You get you get six years to play. Um, what is it? Six years to play sports, right? So I, I had four years to play baseball and two years to play football. Wow. So I was able to sit out a semester after I played my. Well, let me let me re, let me go back. So. The coach, the coach agreed to let me walk on, and I went on and, and did it. And I, after I was cleared to play, medically cleared to play, I ended up coming back and got my first action, man, on, on the scout team. Right. But you to didn't the point see the game I time field, so they, they didn't keep, Until they the didn't weekend. So they didn't. Well, check this out. Check this out. So week eight of the season, right, I come in, I'm on the scout team, and I ended up traveling with the team that week that weekend and coach ended up the second half of the game was like hey Hampton go ahead and get in the rotation I got out there and it was all she wrote man I made a couple plays and uh I, I played the rest of the season so let me ask to the this point question where, who uh-huh. did you have you did you cook anybody playing wide receiver uh, oh absolutely I did man I um my my second season uh, my last season at case I had to go to grad school, so I, I ended up doing one year of grad school. And um, they, uh, Miles College down in uh, Alabama, um, we went down there for their homecoming, and uh, we was able to. Uh, we ended up coming down to the last play of the game, and I already had at this point I had two catches for maybe like 60-something yards. So, like, I was a deep threat uh, just because of my obvious size. I wasn't fast. I didn't learn how to run until I was done with K-State, but I could separate from a defender. And um, as, as the clock is expiring, it's like fourth and some change from the 35. The quarterback scrambles. I go to the end zone. They I turn around. He throw that bad boy up there and over three defenders. On national TV, on, on three defenders, I go up and make uh, uh, like a Hail Mary catch, and we won the game. That's pretty And awesome. I ended up – I finished the game, three catches for 96 yards, and the game went a TD. So – And you're talking about a kid that never played football until his senior year of college. So from that play to being drafted by a team in Tennessee, how, how, did, yeah. how did that happen? <laughs> so uh, – I leave Kentucky State and came to Columbus, Ohio, to train with Reggie Germany, who, who played in the NFL and is a former Ohio State Buckeye, yep. who trains a lot of athletes yep. in Columbus. So um, he played with like David Boston and, and yeah. uh, Stanley Jackson. See, and I remember Pierce these guys because these are the guys that when I was in college, I played. You know, I I, I got to see. Yeah, them. yeah, see. Yeah, yep. So you know those names, man. And um, he took me under his wing. And he, he really worked me. He, he, he pushed me to some crazy limits. We trained for like four months straight for seven days a week, well, a week at a time, sometimes twice a day. He took my 40 time from a, a, a 479 to a 449. Yeah, see, that's so he prepared me for workout. Yeah. Right. Yeah, like that. He, but he, here's the thing he, he was a track All American at Ohio State, so like he knew how to run. Yeah. I didn't know how to run. I yeah, knew how to run route, especially you I didn't being know how tall. To run yeah, especially you being tall, it, you know you have to have that understanding Man. of your body and track speed and yes. everything like that. That's a 
that forty yard dash is that's all skill. Like you literally, there's there's so much technique involved in that that you have to rehearse that daily right. to get yourself conditioned to execute a high score or high uh, time or fast time in that drill. That's the discipline. That That's the discipline going back to the foundation of the when you were younger, just taking time to, to do that. Yeah. But it was my, I felt like it was my, uh, my shot. So I go to a workout, um, at Kent state and it was an opportunity with, to, to try out for like some NFL teams and things like that. And I ran like a four five, two, four five, three, something like that, which is was not bad at my size. Um, I, I executed high at the, uh, uh, in, you know, the workouts, the one-on-one, things like that. And so it was brought to my attention that there was an opportunity to participate in another workout where you could um, be drafted to the developmental league. And so I'm thinking, sweet, yeah, like that's what I want to do. That could potentially give me some game film, give me an opportunity at the NFL. Um, but at, during this time, I had arena teams here in Ohio that wanted me to play indoors. I pass up on those. I'm thinking, why would I go that route when I can go outdoor route? This brand new shiny league. I mean, you got all these former NFL players in it. You got all these former um, coaches that are attached to it. Let me go this route. I ended up getting um, an opportunity to work work out for uh, Team Tennessee. And um, again, I walked into a arena, I mean, into a facility with like 200 plus athletes and finished in the top five. A small school from Kentucky State guy, like, you know, and I was able to to give myself an opportunity. To get, I got drafted. They called me and said, hey, we love to have you and your family at this draft. So, of course, me and my family was all there for the draft. We were present. Yeah. Um, I signed a, a $75,000 contract to, to play in this season. I was excited about it. I quit my job at IBM because I'm like, hey, this is my shot. Only for this league to notify me the week before we was to go to camp that it was postponed in play. Wow. And I'm like, what? I just walked away from my job. I have a wife and a daughter, and you're telling me that <laughs> this league might not exist? And uh, they tried to make it happen until they finally announced it that the league has suspended play. So, and, so um, then, then at that point, it's time to go get a real job, right? Yeah. I mean, I was devastated because I, I missed out on other opportunities. I had opportunities to play arena ball. So when I came back to Columbus, I was with the Columbus the Destroyers, but it was like week nine of their season. They already had a set rotation at the wide receiver position, and it just didn't pan out. So I ended up playing some smaller arena ball Um in, uh, in Youngstown, Ohio, and, and also in Marion, Ohio. I even had an opportunity in, in Atlanta with the Georgia Force, but, uh, and that's the arena team there. But tried and tried, and uh, I, was, I actually went out to Pasadena, California, to try out for the uh, Michael Irvin fourth and long TV show. I made it to, like, to be an alternate for that show, but it just didn't pan out. So... You know, with all this stuff happening, I'm like, man, it's time for me to go ahead and just kind of fall back on my degree because I ran out of gas. My, I look at that that pursuit as like a vehicle, and that vehicle started kind of just wearing down, and it was time for me to just go ahead and move on to another vehicle. But it was hard. It was the toughest thing I've ever dealt with, the hardest decision I had ever made in my life, and uh, I made it because it was just it was time. You know, the one thing about your journey with that, you know, when you talk about, uh, I think about my journey, you know, going to college ball and then trying out for arena team and then your body just saying no, at least you got to go and stop on your own terms versus your body telling you that it's time to stop, you know? Yeah, I I do appreciate it because um, I have a lot of, teammates and, and, and guys I trained with that injury was the, the uh, deciding factor or just, you know, wear and tear just, you know, was just overwhelming. But I, I, I credit that to, um, I know it's kind of ironic, but 
the fact that I didn't play football until my senior yeah. year of college. And the that position gave me, that, that you gave played, me, too, you know. You, yeah, I had less yeah, miles. Yeah, you didn't have as many I, miles. You I wasn't, had a, yeah. It was different if you was a running back or even a quarterback. Right. But, you know, I was a center. Hell, I was in the trenches for, you know, eight years of playing high school yeah, and man. college. So, I get you that. You a beast for that. So Some boys the, be out there banging. So, so let's, let's talk about Romans 8.28 and all things work together. That's your motto. So kind of explain what's, all, what's that about. Yeah, man. Um, the, the scriptures, Romans 8.28, Romans 8, kind of, uh, it hit me at my lowest where I literally felt like I was questioning God, asking him, what do you want me to do with the rest of my life? I, I hate who I am. I was going through identity crisis. I was having my bouts with depression. I, I was, you know, regretting a lot of things. And then one day God just said, listen, man, <laughs> you know, I got things in store for you. And I'm like, then what is it? Because I don't see it. I hate being an IT professional. This don't fill my cup. You got me doing NFL scouting. So I'm, I'm here now helping guys get to a place where I wanted to be. And, uh, I just asked him straight up, like, what do you want me to do with the rest of my life? And he he asked me to go to that scripture. And I read it, and I did. I'm like, okay, I get it. Yeah, things have worked together for my life, for my good in my life. But what do you want me to do with it? And um, he said, look at it again. And I, I reviewed it one more time, and then it, it just smacked me in the face, like, wow. 828 is the day I was born. You know, so like, 828 already had a, a you know, a, a significance in my life as far as my date of birth. But that's my purpose verse. Like that is the, that is my purpose to go out and to like show that verse and show that message into the lives of others. So I, I literally, I, I remember the night like it was yesterday, I got up from the table and I'm like, this is it. Like I'm excited now. I, I, I'm more, I feel like I got more to give in life because all I can do now is is be myself. So I literally turned my birthday into a lifestyle of showing how, like, people would ask me all the time at, at my nine to five, at my corporate job, like, hey, how are you so good with people? How are you, where did you get your leadership skills from? Where did you get these characteristics of, uh, you know, team building and, and uh, discipline? And I would tell them because of my athletic journey. You learn so many things playing sports, especially team sports, oh, you can take those skills and you those those transition perfectly into corporate America or I, into anything that you do with post post sports. I tell people all the time the when it comes to team sports and I remember my freshman year, the seniors they always gave a little like going away speech. And I remember this guy, he's actually a police officer for Wayne State Police right now, but he said that he learned more in, on the football field than in any classroom he has taken and throughout his whole entire education. Wow. And I, I will second that. I learned more playing football than any master's course, any undergraduate course, any high school class, middle school. I learned more playing team sports. And being yeah. able, especially being a part of the only for me, for the first three years of my career, when I was really the only black offensive lineman on the team. That wow. So you have to be able to be have that understanding of those different dynamics. So yeah, man, I, I, I agree with you one hundred percent when it comes to team sports and being I look at every job that I ever had. It was because of my either coaching background or my ability to what I've learned on the football field. Mm -hmm. So, so with, with that being with that being said, let's let's get into the book, man. The, the underdog mentality. I got a chance to read this book. First of all, the slingshot on the cover of the book really states it all. You know, let's talk about that. What for those who don't know, let's tell them what's the purpose of the slingshot. Well, the purpose of the slingshot of the uh, underdog mentality is the 
David and Goliath is the ultimate um, underdog story, right? You know, I think everybody can kind of relate to, <clears throat> you talk about underdogs, you can, you can relate to, um, you can relate that uh, to David's battle versus Goliath. So we, we thought that it would be really powerful to have that, um, have that, that, that slingshot as, as the cover, man. And, and it's just, it's simple. And right now we live in a world where simplicity uh, is actually, you know, less is best or, you know, being able to get your message across with just a couple of characters. And that's where we landed. So shout out to my team who was able to, uh, to do that. Um, yeah, I love I it. I love worked, it. I love that, man. I, yeah, was, man. I saw that. I was like, man, that's, this is weird. I can't wait to read it. So let's, <laughs> it let's talk about your the, eye. Yeah, it definitely catches your eye. So the you yeah. for underdog is to understand your purpose. Be authentic, man. Let's talk about that, man. I was like, man, I read that. I said, oh, man, it was, <laughs> that's important, <laughs> man. And it did. It said inspired by Rocky Balboa. I said, oh, man, I couldn't. Oh, man, this is this is great. Yeah, um, the idea of, uh, you know, understand your purpose uh, and, and, and being authentic, uh, let's just be honest, like, we were all created for a specific reason, and um, each of us have a unique gift and talent that we can give to the world if we choose to tap into it. Um, with that being said, be yourself. Uh, because everyone else is taken. So like, don't think that you have to be like somebody else. Yes. Because then you're going against why you were even created and why you even had, have life and have breath in your lungs. There's something for you to specifically do. And, um, be comfortable in your own skin. Fact. Fact. You know? And so like Rocky Balboa, is my guy. Like I love Rocky movies, like to the point where they they even took me to another level with Creed and Creed Two. Oh yeah, man. And well, let's I talk remember about the I first, was, like even the first. Let's just, just stick with the first Rocky, man. I mean, just yeah. you know, no that 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 fourteen round, man, and you know you got people like I, you know, friend, one of the guys I listen to a lot, Goggins, man. He talks about round fourteen, man, the whole. Getting knocked down, and, he, and Apollo knocks him down, and he gets back up, and that face that Apollo had, like, <laughs> I'm, I'm yeah, not man. dead. <laughs> nah, exactly. You know, Rocky, Rocky was a fighter, man, and he he gave it everything he had every time he um, he he was faced with a challenge, and I just I, I really appreciate Rocky for just the work ethic and the, and the training. Yes. I can remember when I was younger, when my dad used to train to those songs and work out to those songs. Man. And then I found myself Classics. growing up and still going hard to a, a Rocky song, you know, Eye of the Tiger or There's No Easy Way Out and, uh, you know, Hearts on Fire, stuff like that. So, man, hey, you know, all those the songs get you crunk. Yeah, oh, yes. I do, man, because yes. I listen to it too. Yes. <laughs> So yeah. let's let's get into the next one. Like you know, nature, your purpose. Oh, I'm sorry, nurture, oh. nurture your purpose. I mean, right. That's, yeah. I mean, you at one point you said so grow and seven times in the Bible. I never knew that. That yeah. it was in there seven times. I couldn't believe. I had to like I had to go fact check that man. I'm glad you put the verses in there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I always make sure I do what do what I can, man. To uh, to like to cross my teeth and dot my eyes when it comes to things um, like that. I mean, a lot of work, a lot of hard work went into the uh, creation and the development and the design of the book. So um, we wanted to do things at a high level, man. But you know, once you find out what your purpose is in life, and once you um, embrace it. It's like you really got to nurture that thing because, you know, for example, like David, David, David was a shepherd. And a lot of people didn't know when well, this part of his life isn't really highlighted. Only his battle with 
Goliath is, is gets all the conversation. Like David was anointed king, but he was caught, he was that was during a season of his life where he was just doing what he was asked to do, which is to be a shepherd. So like David, when um, a lot of times people don't know this, but David actually got the reps up, right? Red, David didn't just walk up and say, I'm about, to play, I'm about to slay this giant just because he felt courageous that day. Nah, while he was doing what he was called to do, which is take care of those sheep, he literally had a couple of encounters that people missed where he killed a bear and he killed a, a lion. And he did it because they were trying to harm his, one of his sheep. So if he's been able to kill these types of beasts, he walked up to, to the Goliath like, come on, man. You don't know who I, you don't really know my record. You, you don't, don't know, know me, record. son. Right, exactly. <laughs> and we have that same ability. There's some things that you've overcome that we just don't know about because you haven't shared it yet or you may have only shared it with a few people. Yeah, but because boots, you've man. been able to overcome these things, you can look at, at future challenges and actually speak victory boldly to them. Like, wait a minute, I've, done, I've, I've been through worse than this. Like, yeah, COVID is a challenge. Or, yeah, this may be a hurdle in my life. But I can recall three years ago when I was actually fighting a life and death situation and I came out on top. So I'm ready for whatever right now. Victorious in the one. Exactly. Right. Exactly. So that's how we, that's the mindset and the, and the idea behind nurturing our purpose, man, is that once you find out what it is, go after it, like, like go hard at it and do, and be the best at whatever you've been called to do every day. You know, we, sh- we have an opportunity to be the best version of ourselves in whatever capacity we have. So myself, for example, you know, I'm a husband first and, and well, first I'm a, I'm a child of God and I'm a husband, I'm a father, I'm a son, I'm a brother. I'm a cousin, I'm a mentor. I try to do my very best to do right by those roles and, and those responsibilities. And um, at the end of the day, you know, I want people to know that you're going you're gonna to get my best shot. I'm going to give you everything I got with the power that's in me. And then what I don't have, I'm asking God to, hey, to, to, to carry me through, you know, be there in, the, in my lap, be there in my shortcomings so that I can make sure that I'm doing things at a high level for those that I'm responsible for. So that really so flows into the the D of dream big dreams and excellence, man. Oh yeah. Yeah, man. Once you once you once you like rocking and rolling and you know like why you were created in life, oh you can get crazy with it. Like that's where I'm at right now in my life. I I, I my purpose is so clear and my my vision and the, the, the vision for what God is doing in my life is so crystal clear that I, I'm literally just over here having fun. Now. I'm literally throwing up crazy dreams because I believe that, that one day I'll experience these dreams because I'm doing everything I can on my end. I'm trying to be as obedient as I possibly can. I'm trying to do whatever I can so that other people can, um, you know, benefit and they can, they can be advanced in life. So if God sees me doing this and I'm trying to be as faithful as, as he has called me to be, then I'm going to come to him with expectancy. Like, listen, here's where, here's what I'm trying to do. If it's your will, if this aligns with why you created me, then I will, I'm asking for it and I'm going to do everything I can to obtain it. If it's your will. And that's, that's where we at with it, man. So like I'm coming to him now with expectancy, like, look, you, you said if I seek you first, you know, your kingdom and your righteousness, that all these things will be added unto me. So that's what I'm on right now. If you, if you, I, I'm standing on his promises is where I'm at in life. Right. So that's why I say that we should be able to declare victory boldly, just like David did. Right. David, David told Goliath, I'm going to slay you and I'm going to cut your head off. He, he, he didn't have, he, did he walk up to him with a, a, a rocket launcher? No. Did he walk up to him with, you know, an AK-47? Nah. He walked up to him with a slingshot and, a, and, a, and some smooth pebbles and said, I got something for you. Because when you know who you belong to and when you know the power that's inside of you, you can walk to any situation in life with minimal resources and be victorious. And that's the message I want people to take from that is that you don't always need all these extra things that you think you need 
to take on these challenges in life. All you need is to have that faith, the size of a mustard seed, to know that it's all going to work together for your good. And then you can walk in any situation ready to go. And that's that's truly being humble. So that goes into E. You know, you said embrace servant leadership. You know, live humbly. That's Yeah, man. Um, You know, embracing servant leadership just really brings everything into perspective, man. You know, um, God gave his, his only son so that we could have, you know, life everlasting. So <clears throat> that's a, that's a humbling, that's a humbling and selfless uh, act. And, and, and you and I, we got children and we love our children to life. And, and that's a very, very tough sacrifice. We would have it the other way around. We would give our lives so that they could have life. We ain't about to, 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 to have them, you know, be sacrificed. So we're not about to have, you know, do that to, to save, you know, others, like that's just something that that's a love that's on a whole nother level. So, you know, I, I, I am, I embrace servant leadership because I really want people to know that it's not about Kenny. That's why you gonna see my face on the cover of this book. Right. Right. You know, yeah, on <laughs> my back, face is on the, the back, back of the book. Yes. Yeah. Yes. But, the, but on the front of the cover, on the front cover, it's about, it's, you don't see my face. Right. Man. And my name is real small. My name is in a small uh, font on the front Amen. cover of this book Amen. because it's not about me. It's not about this us. Is, this is truly about him. Well, and I, I, I don't, oftentimes I say service is the rent that you pay to God while living on earth. I love that. It. It's, it's, I love it. It's what it is, man. It's, it's your rent. What is your rent that you pay today? No, I love service. it. Service. I love it. So let's, and let's that's, talk that's, about, that's powerful. So let's talk about retreat when necessary. So you hit, you touch my heart when you talk about Tim Tebow. To me, I, I, I get into arguments with people about this because I feel personally that he was the greatest college quarterback of all time. And I will tell people that. I, I've witnessed games and I said I would, would have played on a broken back, leg, knee. I don't care for that guy. Yeah, Tim Tim Tebow is. Um, <clears throat> I mean, he he's a he's a perfect example of of understanding what your purpose is and willing to um, be bold about it in front of the world. Right. Because you know Tebow <laughs> to do what he's done at the collegiate level. Like you can't talk about college football and not talk about, or the greats in college football and not talk about Tim Tebow. But what Tim Tebow does off off the field is more remarkable and more admirable than anything, you know. And then if you look at his life now, look yeah. at how he's transitioned from football to baseball, and he don't care what nobody says. He man, doesn't he do care it. what anybody he's thinks. Do, he's doing it to he live life. Like, yeah, man. Yeah, he's doing that. I mean, he's like he just recently like, he started, or he's really pushing about the 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 trafficking, human trafficking, and yeah. he's really getting into that. And I think that man, everything that Tim Tebow is for, man, I'm just with it. And I just yeah, and I don't care. And it's just so, man, that dude is yeah. amazing, man. He's 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 one of the best, man. And um, you know, I um. I admire his his uh, his willingness to to be that guy to be bold. Um, so that retreat when necessary, honestly, that's that's something that we are all going through right now. Like we're all in a retreat season of our lives mm. because if you look at what COVID is doing, COVID has 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 it, it slowed has everybody us, down. Yes, it, it has slowed us the world to, to, down. To chill out. Yeah. Yeah, it forced us to really, really sit down and be still. And and there's power in that. And I think that we have to yes. be to be mindful of what's going on. Like think about it like this. I shared this not long ago with a, a group of people that had me on a conversation and we were talking and um, we were we were they were asking me about that whole retreat idea. Like where did that come from? And I said, well the best example I can give you of a retreat as of like current times has to be 
Deontay Wilder and Tyson Fury. So if you think about these two heavyweight um, boxers, they're both in the ring. They're slaying each other. They're trying their best to knock each other down. And Tyson Fury was just a better man the last time they fought the second match. Uh, Deontay Wilder tried his best to um, to hang on until his trainer decided, I've seen enough. He was bleeding from his ear really bad. He didn't know if his equilibrium was off. He didn't know if he was bleeding right. internally. So he threw in the towel, and the first thing Deontay Wilder said when he was interviewed was, you know, I wanted to dial my sword. Right. Well, why would you down your sword when you have a contract that states that you can demand a rematch? Right, you can fight again. Regardless of the outcome of this fight. Sometimes you got a so point, the, man. So the manager knew, the trainer knew, wait a minute, before I let him die on this, in this ring, I am going to retreat and pause this and say, we're going to go back into the lab, we're going to go back into the gym, and we're going to train to fight another day. And that's what God will do with our lives sometimes. He will snatch us out of a situation because if we stay in it too long, it could ultimately kill us. Because right. had he not thrown that towel in he could have injured. He, he could have injured and died in the ring and not being able exactly. to retreat. That's a great point, Ken. Exactly. So that's where we're at in life. Right. We are literally, God is sometimes calling us to stop doing what we're doing. And we will just continue to ignore the sound in our head saying rerouting, rerouting, rerouting until sometimes he's like, you know what? All right, cut it out. Boom. Y'all all got to sit down, stay in the house. And I'm not letting y'all out until I'm ready. Until, until I feel until as though you're feel ready. Like you're ready. Yeah. Because so we're in the goes, time right now. This, this is goes into the trust. Like you have to trust. Absolutely. So the next, Absolutely, so the man. D in underdog is declare victory boldly. And I took out of this that victory requires trusting. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely, man. You know, um, David had to, David spoke those words to Goliath because he trusted God. He trusted God regardless of the outcome. He trusted God enough to say, I, I'm at least going to look at this situation. I'm going to speak boldly to this circumstance. And, and, and if it's your will, then yeah, this is what's going to happen. This, these are the outcomes that I'm looking This is the outcome I'm seeking. And that's what God is asking us to do in our lives right now is to honestly challenge me back. Challenge me back. I, I, I told you I can't lie to you. So if I can't lie to you, then whatever you say back to me that I said to you, I have to honor. I have to. I have to. I have to come through on that. So all we can do is be obedient, walk by faith and not by sight, mm -hmm. and speak victory, victory, and declare victory to these right. circumstances in our lives, man. Right. And right. we and we and we should be okay. Right. We just make it hard because Kenny and Kanye sometimes getting each other, getting their own way, and now God is like, well, now I gotta let you experience. Uh, now I gotta let you feel the the pain of doing things on your own because yeah. you just don't you're, you're you're not willing to let me leave. You are running the show, nah. And I say it in the book. That's the whole. We're simply characters in his script, man. Right. And we're live, and and and, and the script doesn't change. It it, nah. it repeats itself, and people have to realize. You know, you read the word. You know, we are the real life Bible characters of the day. And so yeah. we, we go through the same struggles and problems of people in the day. I mean, hell, back in Moses' time, they had a plague. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, plagues, they had plagues all the time. It's the cycle that repeats itself, you know. It's a way of God, a way of people. I think this whole COVID is a way of letting people know that, you know, you know or perfect example i'm gonna give you a perfect quote so muhammad ali said that you know he talked about his parkinson's and he said that if god made it hard for him to walk god made it hard for him to talk and the reason why god gave him this curse is to make him realize that he was not a god but god was god and, wow and so yeah that's what we're dealing with now man 
that's what we, we to make us realize that God is God. And when he allows us to get back to normal, that's when God's going to let it go. Yep. So let's nah, get into totally this. So this one, the dog, the O and dog. I, 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 I took this one to heart as well. And it said, out of out brave every giant. And then you talk about lack of confidence, anxiety, depression, and the four Ps. So that, man, I, I just picked up this book about Marcus Garvey, and one of his quotes was, you know, I, and I, I listen, I read a lot of quotes, and Marcus Garvey talk about confidence, and lacking of confidence, you're twice defeated. So let's, let's get into the outbrave every giant. Yeah, man. Um, <laughs> you know, some of these giants, man, in our lives, like <laughs> David had a physical giant that he was faced with, right? Um, that's not always the case for uh, for us a lot of time. Some of these giants that are um, mental or spiritual wow. are sometimes harder to, to face and sometimes harder to defeat because you can't, you can't see those. So there's no, mm. there is no um, indicator. Or I'm not, if I'm not bleeding, if, if I don't have a broken bone and I'm well, limping, yeah. no people don't yes. know. Yeah, yeah, people don't know I'm dealing with these things. Right, you're not but, physically, you're not physically harmed. You're not, you facts. know, yeah. Facts. And so those are difficult because, you know, I battle depression and the identity crisis. Um, secretly, I did that behind behind closed doors. When you know, when my wife and kids would be asleep, you know, I would be up late nights. You know, um, sometimes just crying on the floor, hating hating who I was, and just really disgusted with my life to the point where I couldn't watch sports center because I I went from being a kid when I would hear that that ESPN sports center jingle, da 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 being excited to see the highlights coming on to hearing that same jingle and wanting to throw up because I, w- I wasn't one of those guys on the, on the screen. Well, I, yeah, I think, I think it was a reminder of what athletes, I was. Especially ones that are on the cusp of going to the next level at the college, they deal with that. And so, yeah, I don't, hey, don't feel no bad. Joke. Hey, I, I've been there, man. Especially when that, yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's no joke, man. So, you know, but being able to outbrave those giants, man, I had to uh, I had to begin to be real with myself and tell myself that, yes, I was dealing with some things. And, uh, and to also just challenge myself to to be the best version of myself. Like, no, nah, you're better than that. Like, you're not, you're not going to let something you can't see really just, like, weigh you down. So there's an acronym that I use. Um, and it's Gooyow, G-O-O-Y-O-W. Wow. And it's get out of your own way. <laughs> nice. You know, it's, it's corny, but it's, no, it's man, real. No, man, it's perfect. It's real. <laughs> it's real. I like, yeah, I, man. I, I really liked how you end the chapter with the four Ps, man. You know, prayer, oh, I proper, love P's, man. praise, and physical activity, man. Wow. That's, I love the four Ps man, because that's practical. That's, you could do that. To, you could do that that's today. real, man. I mean, just yeah. think about, I just thought about, like, perfect example, like, when COVID hit, and we were all cooped up in the house, the quarantine, man, I, you know, I got up every day, man, I just walked, man, I was just like, I gotta get out of this house. Yeah. Just, just, you know, that physical, and that, that, just being outside, and the sunshine, and physical activity, man, that really does, you, you, man, that four Ps, I, I, I saw that, I said, you wrote this book for me. <laughs> <laughs> Wow, that so, means a lot, man. Yeah, God so, gets all the glory. Right, so let's like, let's end it with this, man. You know, G is giving thanks to God, and you really talked about two two guys that when I when I talk about like quarterback, the biggest underdog ever, Kurt Warner, mm-hmm. the greatest show on turf, and Tony mm-hmm. Dungy, the man of faith above everything else. Man, those, yep. you talk about those two guys, man. I said, man, you are dialed in for real. Yeah, yeah, I man, I, I I give God all the credit, man, because He really guided my 
he guided my fingers and he guided my um, my eyes and he guided my uh, my heart on that in this book because as I I mean I read it all the time as I go back through it sometimes I get emotional because it's just like how did how did we nail this this good? On the first try, on the I had first, a football first coach. crack, man. I mean, yeah, this is your like first book, man. I'm like, damn, <laughs> yeah. damn. Man, my, my, uh, <laughs> my, my football coach, man, the guy who gave me a shot at K State, he read it, and he's 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 one of the like the most detail oriented people I've ever met in my life. Like, I, I really appreciated my experience with him because he just makes you strive for excellence. And he um, he called me. He first he texted me and said, "So I got your book." I'm going to read it this weekend. From what I can see, just by the presentation, it looks like it's, you know, your job well done. I said, Coach, I appreciate it. So he bought five copies, one for every person in his house. So he um, <laughs> he texted me the following morning and said, I read the entire thing because I, I could not put it down. Yeah. And I read it in a day, man. Excellent. I read this whole book yeah. in a day. I don't, you know, I'm. Over the quarantine, I'm getting into really back into reading, man. I read this book in the day. And I, I was just yeah. like, this, this is the perfect book. I think for me, I'll probably read this book again just to go back and just like look at and, and, and kind of yeah. retouch or reconnect yourself with some things that, you know, really is, is I think it's important, man. I, you know, especially that when you talk about, you know, you know, big dreams Servant leadership. I mean that those things, man. Man, just giving glory to God, man, about just the little things, man. Yeah, and and yeah, he he gets it all, man. So like, um, you know, for my coach to tell me that he literally went through that book with a fine tooth comb and could not find the errors he was looking for, he said, "You did a phenomenal job." And I just told him, I said, "Man, you know, God really." just like showed out with this project and that's why that last chapter is about giving him thanks because when you hear athletes receive any type of award the first thing you hear them say is you know first i want to thank god first i want to thank god and and it's real because yeah you want to do that but i couldn't have a book where i'm i'm breaking down this word without tying giving god thanks in there and uh that's how we landed on that with chapter chapter uh, eight of the book, man. And um, that togethership formula at the end of it is um, something that I came up with on my own. Well, myself and God came up with that where we talk about those highlights plus lowlights equals trophies because there's some things that you and I have gone through in life, the ups and downs, the highs and the lows, that are some trophies that you and I should celebrate that we don't because they're not physical and they're not sitting on our shelves. Yeah. But I know there's some things that you could think about just in the last couple of years that you've been victorious and you've done well. And we should celebrate that. Celebrate. Because that. those are things that you, you can stand on and say, moving forward in life, I can be victorious in other things. Yeah. So I know. I, I when you talk about that, I mean, that. you ought to tell, you know, I didn't, I went to, I went to a D2 school, went to Wayne State, suffered an 0 and 11 season. You know, suffered defeats and you know had could have had an opportunity to you know play for you know national championship at Grand Valley and you know just that and other and and decided to go to Wayne. But I look at you know I told my wife I said the 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 day I got married I felt like I won a championship. The day that you hold your kids in your hand, that's when you you know the day you you know you just. Your parents tell you that they're proud of you and, 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 and all of that, man. I think that those are what you truly say, trophies, man. I swear. That's yes, that's, sir. That's, that's 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 important, man. Absolutely. So Absolutely. So Kenny man and you're hitting the nail on the head. So Kenny, hey, you know, I just wanted to take time out to celebrate your accomplishment with this book. You know, I, I truly believe that you're a, truly an inspiration to many people. You're an inspiration to me. I see you on, you know, many you know, social media and other areas. So, you know, can you let people know where they can find you at and how can they get connected to you? 
Absolutely. Well, first, I definitely want to thank you for even uh, considering me to have this opportunity to, to, to partner with you on your platform. Um, you're doing an amazing job. I look forward to uh, partnering with uh, One Big Village and um, being able to uh, be a vessel to help you guys uh, extend the reach of uh, your amazing work. So shout out to you. Continue doing what it is that you're doing. Um, you know, I've always admired your uh, persistency and, and you just being committed to uh, to being a leader in every aspect of your life. Um, and you've been more of a, of a, a mentor and a big, big brother role for me and my journey and my life. And um, your support of the underdog mentality uh, means a lot to me. So, um, you know, just want to make sure I, I give you your flowers while you can smell them as well. But um, where I can be found is uh, Um That's where uh, you'll be able to, to learn more about what I'm doing, read more about the, the products and, and, and services that I, I offer. Um, there, there's some things in the works where I'm going to be doing a lot of speaking um, virtually and then also doing some things um, with um, some programs. So stay tuned for that where we'll be doing a lot of uh, hands-on coaching with, with, with men and women, helping them take their lives to the next level, believing that all things are working together for their good. And on social media, uh, you can find me at, at Kenny R. Hampton everywhere, Instagram, Facebook, IG, LinkedIn. So uh, I, once again, I appreciate you having me on, and I look forward to doing more with you. And we'll have to uh, put something on the calendar for us to uh, do something again. Yeah, we definitely need to connect. You know, that's one thing about the Hamptons and Gardeners. You know, we're, we're strong family, but you know, we 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 hold each other accountable, and we make sure that you know we are really living up to what our ancestors, all the great things our ancestors have done. So, yeah, man, I, I'm, I'm I, when I when you, when I first saw the book, I said, "Oh man, I got to get this book." And man, when you sent me this book, I couldn't believe it. You know, and again, I'm, you know, <laughs> hey man, you know, I keep it real. If it if it was if the if the book was terrible, you would not be on my show. <laughs> but, <laughs> I love it. But, I love that but man. I, when I finished reading this book, I said I got to get this man on the show and let's talk about it and let's share the good works that he's doing. So hey man, I appreciate you, and and we'll we'll we'll, we'll talk again. So thank you. Again, I want to thank Ken Hampton III for coming to the One Big Village this evening. I truly enjoyed our conversation. And before we go, I want to leave everyone with this quote by Marcus Garvey. Great ideas, no, no nationality. All intelligent people know that one's nationality has nothing to do with great ideas and great principles. It's taken from the philosophy and opinions of Marcus Garvey or Africa for Africans, Volume 1, 1923. Again, my name is Kanye Gardner, and you have joined us in the One Big Village.